0: Amen. Thank you so much again for being here. Uh, this is going to be an exciting week ahead. Uh, I know for many of our students, they have some time off school. Um, so if you ask them, what is this week? Uh, don't be offended. Um, if your kids say East, don't say Easter, they're thinking spring break right now, right? It's, it's, a, it's a nice vacation for them. Um, so as a family, hopefully you get some great time together. Um, if you don't get a spring break, um, I'm up for signing the petition that brings back back to all adults. So um, if you want to get that going, just see me after the service. I'll be glad to sign my name to that. Um, that uh, those kind of breaks are, are always well needed this time of year. Um, we're going to be talking today, we're going to be still in our series um, called New Life. Um, and we're going to be talking about an aspect of life today that happens. And, and when we use the word, typically we use it in a church type context. Um, but I believe it's an aspect of life that happens no matter if someone ever attends a church or doesn't attend a church, and, and that is worship. Um, worship simply is declaring the goodness of someone or something. Um, you can declare the goodness of a lot of things. You can, you can declare the greatness of a lot of things that you experience. And, and while we kind of um, really give that a lot of attention, that in itself is an element of worship. Um, I, can, I can act in a way that I'm actually declaring the goodness that I feel about myself um, by just doing things that really kind of serve my desires. Um, scheduling life the way that I want it to be. I can, I can do that kind of thing. Um, a little bit of this goes on in um, a lot of different ways. Sometimes we say, well, man, I, I would never worship anything um, but God. And, and, and I believe our heart can consistently be um, really for the Lord, but still we experience a little bit of moments of um, that declaring the goodness of, of others. This week we got to kind of declare the goodness of our oldest son. He turned 17 this week, and that hurt. That, like, I felt like that was a punch to the center of my chest. I did not realize the day before that I had a 17-year-old. I just woke up with one um, the following day. So we had a chance to really celebrate him and give him some attention. Um, and in some really practical ways, we can see those kind of celebrations, and we can see the attention we give ourselves and others, and we can start to really put together an idea of what does it mean really to just consistently worship, declare the goodness of God. Now, in the passage that we're going to be in today, we're going to see worship actually in three places, and they're all unique, and, and we're going to see really how they play out, uh, because I believe the call to worship for us, is, is more than just saying, hey, you know, man, God's good. And it's, it's way more than that. So we really want to dive in and make sure we build some healthy context for that today. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Now, this particular passage is recorded in other Gospels, but Matthew does um, a really remarkable job as God inspires him to show us some symbols and show us some pictures, some word pictures so that we can really wrap our minds around what God is really saying. And and Matthew specifically also pays a lot of attention to this fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, And if you haven't really studied studied the Bible a lot, just kind of as a simple thought, um, there's, for Jesus to have fulfilled all of the things that he fulfilled in his life and in his death. Now, you can take certain singular ones of them, and it's just, it's astronomical. The right before the passage that we're getting ready to read, and this is going to be really a Palm Sunday passage. I mean, this is all the excitement that, that has, was been, has been building about Jesus. But immediately before this, this time, Jesus had just finished predicting his own death, not once, but for the third time. And and probably and I almost wonder, why are people still hanging around this guy? Like, if, if everybody's celebrating him, he's like, look, I'm getting ready to be killed. I just need you to know that. Like, at some point, it's like either, hey, man, come on, you're really being a downer here. Or you just start to think the guy's like paranoid. But for Jesus to have fulfilled all of those hundreds and hundreds of prophecies, you have a better chance of filling out a perfect NCAA bracket multiple years than you do fulfilling all those things. And, and, in, and today we're going to see two of them come to pass. And you start to see in all of these prophecies really how could someone manipulate these events and certain people's actions and words? unless he is the Son of God, unless he really is who he says that he is. So we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 21. Um, this is the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And many times on Palm Sunday, we, we get this image of people laying out palm branches, laying out their coats just for Jesus to be able to ride over. Um, but some of the greatest details of this story even happened before that. So let's, let's start reading in verse 1. Um, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And Luke, specifically when this happened, it says that the owner comes out and goes, Um, why are you untying my colt? Like, I mean, think about this for a second. This is Jesus. Remember, the, the one that we claim that lived without sin. Um, now, I think as creator, I, I'm, I'm in my mind, I say, okay, um, this sounds a little bit like stealing, right? I mean, does it to you? Send two of your followers into the town. You're going to find a colt. All right, so for us, we just go, okay, it's an animal. So for this family that they went to, to have a donkey and have a young colt that, that at this point, the evidence in the scripture, because they're still so close together, had not been weaned because th- there's great value in these animals for work, for profit. Um, if anything, a family would have tried to get this colt weaned as quickly as they could because what they could sell that animal for would be sustaining just for life. So for Jesus, sometimes we read this and go, well, you know, it's, it's just like he hopped a ride. It's like he called an Uber. No, he didn't. Like Jesus sent them in, and when these two disciples, when they heard this, they had to know. Okay, nobody would just leave these animals unattended. And in advance of that, Jesus would go ahead and addresses. He says, "Listen, if someone says anything about it, just tell them that the Lord needs it." And and in Luke, he does. I mean, this guy comes out. What what, what are you doing? Why are you untying this animal? This this belongs to me. And their response is super simple. And I almost think at this point, this is a moment where we see really a miracle taking place in the mind of this individual because they're northeast of Jerusalem um, at a a decent walk for the day. Um, They're still north of the Garden of Gethsemane. They're outside the city. This is a smaller town. And they go in there. And and this, this family would have been preparing for this Passover week like all other families. But even in the busyness of life, it it was not lost that, hey, what you're asking for, what you're just trying to take from me is significant. So for this person to just be at peace, to not yell, police, somebody, I'm being robbed, there has to be just a peace on his soul that God gives him. Because this is Passover week. Now, if you don't really kind of get really the background of Passover For for them, in a a mind of faith, there there are certain images of Passover. That's why I have this up here this week. So, dating back to the time where the Israelites, these people were in bondage in Egypt. To free them, in the process of freeing them, God did some literal miraculous things. There were were ten plagues that he sent as judgment because Pharaoh didn't take the opportunity up front to obey God. Now, if you ever study these plagues, they're remarkable because they actually unwind creation. Um, and in Exodus and through this part, I always really try to suggest, you know, walking through that with someone and some study tools just to bring out all the fullness that's in there, because it's it's, it's really mind-opening and mind-blowing. But at the tenth plague, and 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 please don't just um, don't make an evaluation over God's actions just on this one particular story. Um, on the tenth plague. As final judgment. Now remember, this represents final judgment. This is the last thing that God was going to do as a final statement. And if you if you can fast forward what we know to, to the end of time, that there will be a final judgment before just the peace of eternity continues with Jesus. Okay? Final judgment was that he sent this. It's called a death angel. I know. It's not who you want knocking on your door. Um, the, this death angel goes across, and to all all the firstborn sons... Life is required. That's odd. You're like, well, you know, how to, you know, why firstborn son? Well, again, re- think about the imagery as it carries forward. The firstborn to Mary and Joseph, the one born of a virgin. That son would ultimately pay with his life as well. So God, what God did, He was willing to do on Himself as well. It's 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 really, I mean, it really gets your mind working. But He says this to the people. He said, "Look, the message of salvation is here." And He tells them, He says, "If you'll take." Um, If you'll sacrifice a lamb, perfect lamb, spotless, totally innocent. If you'll sacrifice this lamb and you'll actually paint on the doorpost of your house this mark of blood, then then you will be saved. And it's this first concept in in this realm of following God and believing in Him and being a worshiper of Him that this real, like, kind of almost, this hurts my brain to think about, why is it that innocence pays for guilt, right? You follow me? So, so an innocent lamb, I mean, that, that lamb's just chewing on grass. I mean, like this lamb has, no, I mean, like it has done nothing sinful towards these people. Like it has done nothing, but it was the life of this innocent lamb, the shedding of that blood that appeased this punishment of death. And this Passover celebration, hundreds and hundreds of years later, is still celebrating this. At an extreme level. So this is literally, in, in what we're reading, this is the image of the week that we enter into. We, we, we are all, in, in this day and age, we are we are hopefully all cross and empty tomb, right? I mean, the, the, the cross symbolizes the payment of our sins, but the empty tomb represents the new life. What we're reading and what's happening, this, this is the image. And into that image it almost seems a little insensitive, right? Jesus gets the guy's donkey and colt. I mean, this, this thing that was essential to their life in such a real way. Verse 4. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. So there was this wasn't in um, this wasn't in an act of insensitivity. It, it wasn't that God didn't love in this moment, that He didn't care. He wasn't aware. In fact, Jesus knew intimately who this person was because He already knew that the Spirit of God would put yes in His heart to be obedient in this moment for a greater purpose of fulfilling prophecy. Now, there's two that are fulfilled. This is the first one. It says, "Tell." Tell daughter Zion, this is out of Zechariah 9, um, See, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It, think about it. I, I love how it, when, we, when you just pause long enough, you just you start to see all the all these um, exact things and perfect things happen in Scripture. So this colt, because it was still there so connected to its mother, it, it, it wasn't even broken, hadn't even been ridden yet. Jesus is the first one that rides on this colt because they had to take the mom with it. If you notice, why not just take the colt? All he needed was the colt, right? No, He needed the mom to come with it so the colt would be under control. It would be settled. And that in itself, Jesus, the first one riding, is this image of, um, again, holiness and purity that Jesus would be the first and he would be the person that deserved this kind of, um, this kind of, initial ride. Now, I don't know about you though, this says that this will be a sign to you that your king will be gentle and humble. Do you know many people that really have tons of authority in this world that just walk into the room gentle and humble? I mean world leaders, I mean just culture, shapers and changers, are many of them really gentle and humble? So for the people to really celebrate who Jesus is, we start to see that there's prob- there, there's there's a mind connection happening, but there's probably a disconnect when it comes to expectations. Probably a disconnect when it comes to expectations. But Jesus fulfills without causing a legal issue, without having the police chase him down, without being accused of robbery. He goes in and, in fact, doesn't just take it. He, he, he puts in a situation where somebody would, would have to allow this to happen so he would be in the right to be able to even ride this donkey. All of this just... Fits him perfectly with what had been said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. Verse six: um, The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. I wonder if there those and it had. To, it's funny. There's, there's two people and they got to be going. We're, we're going to get arrested right now. We're, we're, Somebody is going to kick our tails because we're stealing their animals. But they went. Um, they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread. Their clothes on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him, and those who followed him, shouted. Now this this cry of the of the um, crowd is the second fulfillment of Scripture, and there's some specific things that are said in here that again, in words, they're connecting some dots, but there's still a disconnect in heart because. This same crowd, a week later, is yelling crucify him, right? Like it's, like if you ever wonder, like how does somebody give up on something so significant, so easy? I think it's, 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 it's within our nature. It's inside of us that, that we cave, we give in, we stop, we fall back, we slide back. We do, we do something that, that really represents just giving up. And this is what they say, Hosanna. Which means, Lord, please save us. So, Hosanna's correct. It's, it's been prophesied. Hosanna to the son of David. Um, th- they're starting to say, hey, this person's background checks out. This is messianic lineage. I mean, this is, hey, you come from the right family. Like, we believe that you are king. We, we feel like something's really happening here. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, that's that's blessed, not blessed. Blessed is you've received blessing. Blessed is holy. Holy is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So he, they, they said, hey, you're here not just on your own agenda, but you're here for God and for his purpose. Hosanna, again, Lord, please save us in the highest heaven. Meaning they, they said, okay, this is ultimately, we, we expect our salvation to come from, from what God does. So in words, I mean, they are spot. Own. I mean they, they, they couldn't be more accurate but really a week, a week turns this whole thing upside down. I mean the person that, that again in so many ways perfectly represents the, the innocent life that saves from death and punishment that, that, that saves from everything the innocent life of Jesus and they' again they're spot on in words. Verse ten: When when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar. Um, uproar is is a little bit mild for a translation here. Um, this word in other places is translated um, shaken, like as in by an earthquake. So when when you think of what the worship this this outcry would have sounded like, I mean, really consider the kind of noise that actually shakes the room and actually vibrates where you're sitting and where you're staying. You, you feel it. You ever been at, at, at that level? You're you just you're in front of a speaker at a concert or something, and you can just literally feel that kind of noise? I mean, that's the environment that they're in here. Um, and, and that doesn't even, I don't think, just describe the the volume of it. I mean, with what's going on, there are people in charge that are freaking out at this moment. I mean, think about it. What, what was one of their strategies? They they went into the group to seek out one that they thought would be selfish enough to betray him in Judas. I mean, they they weren't just saying, hey, how can we slow this down? They were trying to cut it right through the heart. And ultimately, they thought they succeeded in putting Jesus to death. They just didn't anticipate this crazy thing called a resurrection. It so says that the whole city was in an uproar, and they were saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee. Uh, and, and by introducing him then that way, he's a, they're attaching Nazareth and Galilee that were really not even that well respected. And like in, in, in that in itself even fulfilled prophecy. This is how, it, this is how Jesus responds to this, and in, in, in this is recorded in Luke 19. It says, some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Man, you need to tell them they need to settle down. They need to get in order here. And Jesus' responds. he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Now, before we look at worship for a second, I, I want to, I, I just, the, this question kind of came to mind as I was coming to church this morning. Um, and know that these are not the normal kind of questions that just come to mind when I'm riding around on, a, on, on, a, on an average morning. Usually it's, where's the nearest bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Um, but as, as I'm riding to church this morning, I, I thought about this verse, and I'm, I'm thinking, why worship? Like, and, and, and that's really a question that has to come, in some way we have to rationalize through, no matter who or what we worship. This statement that Jesus makes, if they don't worship, if they don't cry out, then literally the stones that are lying around will, will lift a voice. Like the earth would shake. In worship. And I'm thinking, okay, if if I'm living hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and I'm a family, and and houses around me are waking up to the realization that they've lost a child. And and I've been in circumstances and moments where people have had to be given the news of, of a death. That was absolutely not expected. And there's a uniqueness to that cry. It's happening in a moment, we're anticipating it, and and it's it's at the end, and and it's difficult, but, but absolute surprise, there's a uniqueness to that cry. There's a uniqueness to that expression of grief. If I'm a family, and that's that's what I'm hearing around me, but I'm waking up realizing what the salvation of God has done in my life, that changes me. And it changes me in two directions, hopefully. It changes me, number one, towards the God that saves. But hopefully it also changes me in relationship to the people who grieve. That doesn't mean that I want to bring my joy bubbling over into their life and their sadness, but it changes my heart towards them. Now, that's a human expression, I think, of why worship? But what reason do rocks have for crying out? Anybody ever done anything for a rock other than move it, throw it, or bust it up? I have a window that I have to replace in my house because a rock came out of the lawnmower and you know sent it through the window. I didn't go. You know what? That was probably that rock just needing to come into my home and just be painted with with a lovely smiley face on it. I need to I need to create a home for this rock. I need to I need to feed it. I need to nurture it. You know what? Maybe maybe one day it'll, it'll grow some moss on it, and we can really celebrate that. You don't do anything for a rock. A rock has had nothing done to it other than one thing. It's creation. It has no feelings. It has no thoughts. But just the fact that Jesus, the very voice and word of creation, and that God exists by Jesus' own response here, that alone is enough for that stone to voice worship, which I believe means this. If God does nothing in what I would call good for me today, just his existence deserves worship. If he's perfect and holy and he is almighty God, then if I box him into I'll pick you up on Sunday, then I am making the biggest mistake of my life. Because just his existence deserves, I mean, think about that. If if everybody said, oh, we better be quiet, and then all of a sudden there's a rumble going on, and Jesus is just like Man, I just I was hoping you were going to get it like just this is deserved, it's really des- like that's the magnitude of our God. All right, so there's three there's three forms of worship that we see in this passage. Okay, now first form of worship is probably what maybe we would say is the most popular. That's the shouts of the crowd. I mean, it's earthquake level. Um, and and when I say the most popular, and I think because our minds when we say hey. Um, we, we're going to gather in worship, we th- oh, we're going to sing, right? We're going we're to have music, we're going to have this, this kind of outcry. Um, many times if you think about um, when you've been in services and there's been more of that just jubilation of just that excitement and someone just really not just singing with the rhythm of the words but actually crying out in their own words, really who God is to them, we, we, we experience that and we go, oh man, that was good. I always love it when somebody comes in and somebody visits at a church and, and just their excitement for Jesus just burst out during worship. And then later after the service, somebody goes, Hey, you know, that person that, visited, that that was awesome, man. Like that got me pumped up. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, we could all do that. Right? Like we could all have that kind of cry of heart. And I, and I think that's the most popular. I mean, in those moments, those, those moments that seem like they're filled and moved with emotion. I mean, these people were, please, Lord, save us. I mean, they in their minds. They didn't really understand who Jesus was. They weren't thinking about his death. They were thinking about him taking control of everything and saying, Hey, guess what, everybody? We're on top again. Life is going to get easier. You're not going to have to pay these taxes. You're going to have authority that you've never had. The people that reigned over you, guess what? You now get to tell them what to do. So it was excitement. It It was emotional. And I think in some ways that becomes popular. Now there's a different form of worship, a second one that we see, and these aren't going in order, um, but but then there's there's one that's maybe the most challenging. And, and that's the worship of, of, of obedience. Those two disciples that Jesus said, Hey, look, I'm sending you how to jack a donkey. Like that's what you're gonna go do right now. You're gonna go to somebody's house and you're gonna take this animal. There was there was worship that was just obedience, just obedience that said, okay. I'll go do it. I trust that there's a purpose in what you're sending me for. And and when I get there, I'll have to boldly respond with the words you've given me because that's all I've got. I mean, what what other defense would the disciples have had other than the Lord needs it? Jesus said to, to do this. Hopefully, we can have it. It's the worship of obedience, it shows trust. Then there's a third one that I think is a little bit under-realized for us. And, and, and maybe it's, it's the most under-realized. And, and that's the worship that we see in the life of, of this owner of this cult. The person who just, when God moved inside of him, when it called for sacrifice, when it called to, to give greatly, not that this is about finances or money, because you, you know what I really believe, and I can't prove this within Scripture, but you know what I, I, I do believe? I believe the moment that Jesus got off of this donkey, he looked at those same two disciples and said, now take it back. Like, I know it's a longer walk back, but but take it back. Like, he needs this. This is his. Like, I, I've given this to him. I used it for my purpose, and, and that purpose is over. Or he woke up and then... Presto, magic donkey the next day. I don't know which one, but I believe that something like that happened because of the way God has always cared for me. So when we look at this this life, I want to look at a couple of questions. The first one is this. um, What does Jesus ask us to give? Now, I would say a similar story to this happened in John chapter 6. Remember feeding of the 5,000, and it's really more like twenty to 25,000? Um, Jesus sends out his disciples, and he said, okay, see what you guys can come up with. And remember, Andrew comes back, and he says, hey, I found a kid. He's got a lunchbox, right? That kid's mom, I guarantee you, was like my mom. If I was going to leave and go somewhere, if my mom had half a chance, I was going to have a bag. It was going to then be full of Ziploc bags, and those Ziploc bags were going to have stuff in it, okay? Like that, that was going to be her. She watches online, and thank you, Mom, for always preparing my lunch he 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 finds the kid who had that mom and and even andrew finding it he, even out of his own heart of doubt he said remember the verse but what is this among so many and 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 he said i think it was this thing of, you know i i think it's i found something i know you i know you you're looking for something to use jesus but but even th- like how can you use this? What can you really do with this? And 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 that that question, if we're not careful, I think begins to get us to start to back out of moments with Jesus. Like, hang on a second, Jesus. Like I you, like i I know you want me to give my life to you, but 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 consider my past, consider these mistakes, consider these these broken things about me that's hurt and inside of me God you you can, i don't I don't know that you can really use that. you use these other kind of exciting stories, and my life has just been very blessed and mundane and 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 maybe you just you just can't use me significantly like that, so we kind of back ourselves out of just that great heart sacrifice to the Lord, because ultimately. Jesus, as it says in there, and, and there's, there's a word specifically that's in there, and, and the, the word is, and I, I have it in my notes somewhere here, um, lumbano. And, and that word doesn't mean, because the verse says that, that Jesus took it. Jesus isn't snatching what he wants, um, just like he did this cult. It's, this word really means that he received it and then took it in to use. So, so Jesus isn't going to come to our lives and go, hey, listen, you haven't surrendered this or this or this to me. You've, you've, brought, me your, you've brought me your time and your money, but you haven't brought me the hurts of your life. He's, he's not coming in and going, all right, you know what? You've held them long enough. I've got to take them now. I've got to take it up. He's there asking with open hands to say, if, if, if you will hand them to me, I will receive this in, and I will purpose this for what it was always intended to be for. That's the way Jesus really works. So consistently we see G- that Jesus th- that Jesus does this. So ultimately if we say, okay, this was not just a one-time occurrence, what is he really asking for? He's asking for our life, a whole heart commitment. Now, here's the second question. Is that expecting too much? Is that expecting too much? Last week I, I-, I made a statement when we were li- reading one of the verses that Jesus was the object and the measure of our growth as believers. In other words, um, when we look at Jesus, that's the object. We have something to look at and, 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 and attempt to understand. Then we have Jesus to measure. In other words, um, am, am I going the distances? Am I crossing the lines of kind of natural barriers to me and my own personality? Am I, am I having the conversations that Jesus would want me to have? Am I going to the length and the depth of love that he calls me to? Well, consider this, that Jesus is also the object and the measure of our worship. He's the object and the measure of our worship. Do I devote myself in a Jesus kind of way? Am I giving of myself? Jesus gave up his position in heaven to come to earth, to wrap himself in flesh, to live a life that he didn't have to live, but what did it bring? Salvation. Right? Because we were were punished to death. And it was innocence that led to salvation. And I believe some of the greatest ways that we can worship Jesus are in some of the yeses that we can say in life because we know that the Lord can purpose us and purpose things in our life for what they were always intended to be for. And it's not because we really have to. It's not because we're being forced but it will ultimately change our And listen, when we surrender anything to God, it ultimately changes. Just like this, our relationship to him and our relationship to others. It's a huge impact. As a husband, one of the hardest things has always been for me to sacrifice myself for what I give to Wendy. I've never had a problem um, Buying, for, buying things for her or providing something for her and not providing it for me. That was easy. The hard ones are the things inside of me that are really broken with me that, that ultimately could, could, um, could dampen our relationship and be obstacles in our relationship between each other. How do, I, how do I get those worked on with Jesus and with other help so that her life can benefit from that? That's where I struggle, and I've always struggled much more in that area than just in the, the acts of provision and stuff like that. So again, ultimately, it in what we give, it will work on our relationship with Jesus, work on our relationship with others. Um, I want to read three verses to you, and hopefully what this does is, is this helps us with the object and the measure of our worship as we really look this week at And all that Jesus can do in our life and all that he's done for us already. Because um, the heart that God worked in in this man who gave up this cult um, was, was still looking back. And what he saw behind him was so rich, even though he wasn't there when it happened, it was so rich to him that he trusted it for his present to be able to give to what God was doing. John 10.10, 10, and I think this is where we kind of wrestle with this. Is that expecting too much? John 10.10 10 says that Jesus has come to give us an abundant life. So in a way, we're almost like, man, you know, to, to, to give really everything to you, Jesus? Like, it, like you said yourself, like, you've come to give me this abundant life. And I think that's we appreciate, that that abundance that we get at times. And when we get comfortable in it and we enjoy it so much... That we forget that that's just kind of the overflow of the blessings of God. That was never meant to be what our, our life surrounded itself around. That wasn't supposed to be the center. It wasn't supposed to be what re- really was keeping the rhythm. But, but Jesus does give us an incredible abundant life because of what he fills it with. And sometimes I think we mistake the things that we see as, as good things in our life and think, okay, well surely that's what Jesus is filling my life with. The things that he fills our life with are the things that we really need to give credit and honor and, and, and proclaim his goodness, not what we just enjoy as the, the stuff of life. Salvation in Romans 10, 9, and 10, probably the two of the clearest verses that we have really in all of Scripture. And this, again, is, is what really is, is aiming us, and, and what do we give, and is it too much? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a pastor um, that's doing a series right now that I listened to a message on yesterday, and, and just in that message, without even anticipating it, he made this point that I thought was so good for this passage, that, that too many times we consider ourselves having become a believer instead of just a follower. Believing in Jesus, as, as God's Word confesses and says about stuff, just believing in the story is not enough. It's it's giving everything in ourself that has to be given to be able to say, yes, Jesus, it's all you. It's, it's, It's all you. And then doing that continually for the rest of our life as he calls us into a close relationship. That as we believe in Jesus, that you will be saved one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, mouth resulting salvation. If you've ever really struggled with, do you have a relationship with Christ? If you've ever been in that mode where you have prayed over and over and over again, Lord, I just want to make sure that if anything happens to me, God, that you're going to allow me to be in your presence in heaven. This is not a question that God calls us and wants us to really wonder about. We know in our heart when we believe in something that we it enough to commit our life to it. So with that commitment that Jesus allows us to have and and knows from the depths of our soul, he just simply says, you will be saved. Not, I'm going to wait and see. See if you stick with it for a few months. You will be saved. So, last verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is out of Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, Follow after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Notice he didn't say, if anybody wants to be okay in life, let them believe in me. Let them, let them trust that at the end of life it's going to be okay. He says, no, this isn't just an, a distant act of salvation. This isn't just one night instance that was worth celebrating literally for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is what it means to follow, to really take up my cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, so this is the 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 board that I painted for this. This is the message of Easter. This is what they celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years. That God in a moment saved their family. That God in a moment allowed them to experience joy when others unfortunately experienced some of the greatest grief that they would ever experience. And if we're not careful, we will, we will take all of our faith and all of our relationship with God and all of our spiritual thoughts and just tie them to one moment, one prayer, where we believe God did something. But what God is calling us to is a daily following. That the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you have to excuse me, I'm not good at crafts. I drilled this the other day, but let's see if it goes together. That the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was made for us. This is what we celebrate at Easter. Not, hey, my family told me a story and it happened to them, so let's still celebrate it because that's just generally who God is. But that salvation was for you and for me. And the call is to take whatever my cross is, to take that, deny myself, sacrifice myself, set myself aside for a moment, the, the desires of my life and the wants that I have to say, Jesus, what are your wants and desires? Denying yourself doesn't mean a life of misery. It simply means hearing from Jesus first. It means having our hearts open to know God, what should I want? What should I need in my life? So that, remember the two goals, our relationship with Jesus is radically changed and our relationship with others is forever impacted. To be able to walk with them through life like we've never been able to. This is not even the greatest symbol of Easter. It's the greatest symbol of sacrifice and forgiveness. But we haven't even gotten to the empty tomb yet. We haven't even gotten to the hope of new life. But I want to encourage you to something today. I want you to consider the three aspects of worship that you've seen. Just in this one story. There's a popular one. There's the singing. There's the, there's, there's the cries of our heart. There's obedience. And I can't take a thing away from obedience because obedience is not easy, Right? When we really learn from God, and and obedience is a deepening relationship. The the more we understand he says and the purpose for it, it calls us into making a decision that ultimately is doing what? Denying self and taking up what Jesus did and what he stood for and carrying that through life instead of carrying myself through life. I would want you to really think through with me this, this man in a small town, preparing for Passover in the middle of busyness, and then all of a sudden a question shows up. The question was, why this? Why this thing? The Lord needs it. And is there something in life that if we meet that question at that crossroad, is there something in life that that the simple statement of the Lord needs it is just not enough? And if it is, that's, that's really where we know we need to really meet with the Lord at. And really listen to Him. Because if, if salvation is not just believing, it's Lordship. Then there's nothing off the table. And there's things in my life that I've neglected. And the reason I haven't given it has not been because of the question of, hey, the Lord needs this wasn't I asked. It was... I would feel more comfortable holding on to it myself. I would prefer to have it. Maybe to fix myself, I guess what that got fixed. Maybe I can do something with it. Maybe, yeah, I I believe the Lord will use it, but not not now. This This isn't affecting anyone else. So I can hold it. But that's not what the cross says. It says that Jesus came for it all because he came for us all. Would you bow your heads for just a moment as you're watching at home, as you can kind of steal the room and just think through the the thoughts of this message of of really worship that we see in this story. What God calls us to is is so much more than the sign-up sheets that fill churches. God calls us into a deep relationship. And and I just I just believe I just believe in so many ways that a deeper relationship with Jesus really starts to redesign and reshape the desires of my heart. I'm not even talking about you right now. I'm just I'm just saying for my own self. I've seen it work. And and I believe this Easter season is one that Jesus is inviting us into. And he wants to show us great things in. And, and in, with Easter being Easter, God come to this earth in flesh, having just said, what, three times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to lay down my life. Doing it, and then factually, physically, coming back to life out of the grave, that's just not news from hundreds and hundreds of years ago like this Passover doorframe. That's life-changing for me right now. I, I can't continue to live under that message and not be changed forever. So as you see, even as you stand through this last song, and you see this cross, and you see this doorway, my prayer is for you that you don't see a God that just has acted distantly in your past, but everything that he's been doing has been a building story for your life right now. If you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus, please, in obedience and in, and in giving your life, follow the words that we just read. Believe in Jesus. And with your mouth, in conversation and prayer to God, pray to him, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. And I real, and I believe that Jesus died for my sin. He has paid that debt. And, and even though I don't deserve it, God, I want a relationship with you. And, and you, you made a promise, so I'm here to claim that promise right now, that you will save me because I am in my heart and my mind knowing that I need to give myself to you. So when I think and I decide, I'm going to bring those things to you. So God, save me. Because only you can. If you've prayed that prayer today, we want to know about it. We're not filling a sheet or creating numbers or tabulating anything. We're just wanting to walk with people in life through your next steps and decisions. If you're watching online and you made that decision, please click that link to connect with us and let us know that you decided to follow Jesus today. We believe that this is happening in hearts. We want to celebrate with you to know about it. We trust that God is building. We just want to celebrate what he does. Father God, thank you so much for your love, your greatness, Lord. Help us to not put you in a box, Lord. Help us to not fall asleep in our faith and and, and think that we can just be a believer, but Lord, that we need to be a follower. Lord, we need to know the words and the life of Jesus, and we need to take that in. So God, everything that is in us and about us, Lord, we we need it to be about Jesus. And, and Lord, for the things in our lives where we meet you at the intersection, God, to say, Lord, if you're just saying um, you have a purpose for this, you have a need for it, you can use this. Lord, even though it belongs to us and it was ours, it was either maybe it was our hurt or it was our victory, it was our personality, whatever it is about us, Lord, even if it was just our sin, Lord, help us to realize, God, that you can take that from us and you can, Lord, repurpose everything in our life, God, so that you get the the the, the great honor that we need to give to you. So Lord, help us in these moments not just to sing and worship and not to think about our walk with Jesus as what we'll have to lay down or what we'll need to deny, but Lord, help us to see, God, the Jesus that gave all for us. He gave His life for me, God, so I could exchange my life for His. Lord, in the eternity of that, the depth of that, the magnitude of that, God, has... Is, has to leave us forever changed so Lord let us cry out to you now let us pray to you now let us gather with the needs of our hearts with others that we believe with and share faith with to pray and Lord even doubt and struggle with Lord help us to gather if, if now is our moment at the front of this church to pray over needs but God as we walk with you to continue that lifestyle whether we're in this building or not and this we pray in Jesus name Amen. Would you stand back up as you're at home? If you will, please continue in worship with us.